Welcome to the Chantal Hyde Canada's Dating Coach Podcast, where you'll learn to love and be loved. Come understand how powerful you are and share in our common experiences so that we can all grow together. Like Chantal loves to say, let's do this. So this is the first time you and I are having a conversation. Just so my podcast listeners know, my watchers know, this is Fen from Badass Counseling. I came across you on TikTok, by the way. And just wait, sorry, just to clarify, if anybody has bad sound, she did not say fat ass counseling. She said badass counseling. And I am six foot four. Maybe I do have a fat ass, but that is not the name of my company. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Did it sound like fat ass? I don't know, but I just wanted to cover all my bases. Marianne says no. All right. Fair enough. Uh, That's amazing. So I don't know if you've come across me, but I've come across you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've seen your TikToks come up on my For You page, I guess because TikTok knows I like mental health and I like swearing. (laughs) Love it. Good mix. And, And that's you. This is you. Your platform. Listen, it's you're me with a penis, my friend. (laughs) <laughs> I think you're probably better off without one. You can have more fun. Anyway. I want to write my name in the snow. <laughs> well, you can, the helicopter thing. Uh, it's just, it won't be clear. It won't be I clear. hear you. I hear you. There's something to be said to, for good cursive. You know what? I'm, I'm going to disclose something to my audience. I have penis envy. Wow. I've, I've had penis envy since my teens. I remember mm. like I was like 14, 15, 16. Like I had a dream where I had a portable penis. Like, wow. Uh, let me tell you. Those are aspirations. Maybe, and maybe that's why I'm good at what I do. Because one of the things that I say about myself is I speak man. Mm. Interesting. And so, what is at the essence of speaking man? Concise. Hmm. You think women aren't concise? I think we use more words. Uh, I wrote a few books and um, I I have uh, have a a relationship book for women. I have a relationship book for men. The relationship book for women is called Fix That Shit. The relationship book for men is called Fix That Shit for Men. Mm. So look at the size differential. Look at the size differential. Mm. And women say they love my book and men say they love my book. So I think I'm hitting each in the sweet spot. Good for you. That's awesome. So the reason why you're here today with me, other than you agreed, um, is that I love your style. I love what you do, which is address mental health in a very clear, concise, straightforward, no pussy footing, mm-hmm. plain English, mm-hmm. fuck what the world thinks kind of way. Okay. I like it. Did I nail it? I think you did. I think you did. Very gracious. Such kind words. Now, I want to talk to you about dating and relationships. Mm -hmm. What is the most common issue you face in dating and relationships? Well, um, let me uh, preface it by saying this. Um, If let's let's sort of reverse engineer it. Let's look at it from marriage and then back it up from there. The one of the things I say in my uh, latest book, there's a hole in my love cup when it comes to marriage is that all uh, problems inside of a marriage predate the marriage. That in fact, they predate the relationship. That is to say that whatever is manifesting at 40 or at 60 or at 28, if you if you're in that marriage goes back to the shit from childhood and it's cliche, but it's so fucking true. 
And what ultimately it is, is that, so when people come to me for counseling, let's say couples counseling, I never take couples together in the beginning. It's just the clusterfuck. There's no fucking point. He said, she said, fuck off. I don't want to listen to any of you. It's just, it's not good. Right. And so every client of mine, before they meet with me, whether it be a couple or individuals, uh, they have to write an autobiography for me. I study that it takes two to three hours and then I'm fully fluent in their life. But I take them individually because my goal in helping them become their most authentic self and is my goal is to help them become their most authentic self individually and then look at each other and decide, do I want as my fullest self, do I want to be with this person? Do I want to be with that person? And then make the decision from there. So the problem in the marriage is that you've got two people who are conditioned and taught to be someone other than who they really are. And so what that means is they're living an inauthentic life with an inauthentic person trying to sort out a relationship because they're terrified. They've been taught to either suppress, deny, or uh, their real self, or they don't even know what the fuck that means, a real self. So I help them become the real self on the side. So the problem, so if we keep reverse engineering that, bring it back now to dating. Biggest problem is that people are terrified to be who the fuck they really are. That people very often don't even know who the fuck they really are. So think about that. If I've been taught my whole life that, uh, gee, let's say I'm Susie and I don't, you know, my voice isn't that important. And, and, you know, my parents taught me to suppress who I really am or your feelings don't matter or what you want to do with your life. So that's stupid and so forth. So the child puts their real self in a box, wraps it up in duct tape and sticks it way down deep inside under the bed next to the Christmas sweaters. Right. And they just become whoever the fuck they got to become in order to gain approval or avoid criticism. In other words, they're no longer being their authentic self. And very often then when someone is suppressing who they really are, they're happy very often when somebody just fucking likes me, they're happy and they get the end and whose voice, who are they answering to now? They're still always answering to those external power sources that told them that their real self doesn't fucking matter. Usually mom and dad. Right. And so part of what they're trying to do is gain approval from mom and dad, or at the very least avoid criticism. I literally just got out of a session with a client where that was the precise issue, married her husband. They had been married for 25 years now. And she finally, they finally got a divorce. And she said, I, you know, 100% married the man I married to gain my parents' approval. Mm -hmm. You want to see a fucking problem? You want to, you want to fucking delineate, really boil down to one of the biggest problems or one of the biggest solutions you can do for yourself in your dating life. And I don't mean you, but for any person in their dating life, First of all, answer the question, what percentage of my, of who I'm choosing is driven by my desire to either gain my parents' approval or be, avoid my parents' criticism? What is it? 20%, 40%, 60%? Being, simply being aware of that one thing. First of all, that you're fucking answering to somebody to some degree. And then further naming, well, which parent is it mostly? Okay. Now we're naming the beast. This, because this is what's going to, if you're trying to please a parent, then you're going to go into override. Once you find someone who you know will be pleasing the parent, now you're going to get going to override of all those fucking red flags, all those signs, all those signals. And so getting back to your point, in short, the problem in dating is that people will ignore the signs, the signals, the red flags in part 
because not just because they're trying to please a parent, but fundamentally because they are not being their authentic self. They were taught not to be their authentic self. That's why effective dating and effective marriages should be preceded by my doing the inner work of getting out all the shit from my past. Otherwise, you're just making a decision based on an, on an inauthentic version of yourself. Does that make any sense? A ton of sense. A ton of sense. And like I see, like, like I'm a dating and relationship coach. That's what I, that's what I say. Yeah. That's what I just want to get into. Yeah. And uh, a huge mistake that we make in our dating culture is kissing strangers and then seeing where it goes. Mm-hmm. And that's us succumbing again to external forces when it comes to choosing a partner. I choose you because you came into my orbit not because I know who you are. So we're not choosing people based on knowledge and insight, which means, you know, like that's a lack of knowledge of myself, right? I don't know what I want. I've chosen a stranger and then I'm going to figure stuff out from there, which means I don't, I don't see myself clearly enough. Like if it feels good in the first three months, then I I guess it should be good. And then we stay too long in that relationship because those first three months, the reason why you felt good had nothing to do really fundamentally with the character of the person, because you're not even seeing the character of the person right. we're on best behavior syndrome for the same reason why we feel so good, which is the chemical high that happens mm-hmm. in that initial stage, the heightening of the oxytocin, the dopamine and the serotonin at the phenylethylamine. Once we start kissing and the heart gets pumping. Right. And it's like, we are blind. We're going into relationships blind about what we want. We're not defining who we're going to get into relationship with and then making sure they are that person before we kiss them. We're not defining our own needs even before getting into a relationship. We're not saying these are my fundamental values. Like I have so many people who say I'm in a relationship with somebody and I want a baby and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this is a conversation you should have before you even kissed and started their relationship. So there's a lot of, and, and so the reason why we do this is because our dating culture is kissed to see where it goes. If you don't kiss by the fourth date, you've been friend zone and friend is a bad word instead of friend being the foundation of a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would add on to that. And I think that's great. And I, I concur. Um, I would add on to it. That the question is, yes, what do I want? What do I need? But that springs out of the question of who the fuck am I really? Mm. Who am I? And is this authentically me or is this a response to something else? And in addition to the who am I really is the question, not just what do I want, but even far more powerful. So what do I fear? Who do I fear? What do I fear? Whose wrath do I fear? Whose criticism do I fear? So one of the exercises I do with my clients uh, is I'll ask the question, and it can be as it pertains to their career, it can be as it pertains to their past, it can be as it pertains to dating. And I ask the question in this situation. So let's say um, uh, Jenny is dating a guy. And I'll ask Jenny, I'll say, uh, if it goes south, because she's having some trepidation, she likes, I'm not sure, whatever. And I'll ask the question, if it goes south, all right, if it goes tits up, what is the one sentence you most fear Hearing from someone, if you fail in this relationship or this relationship fails, what is the one sentence you most fear hearing? Or what is the one sentence you most fear someone thinking about you? What is the one sentence that would hurt the very most? And very often it's something along the lines of, and there are obvious variations and totally different answers for each person, but often it's along the lines of, mm, see, I knew you didn't have it in you, or, or what's wrong with her? Or, yeah, why don't you come home and live with us some more? Or, 
yeah, you really, you have a bad picker or there's some sentence. And then I follow it up with, and from whom, Mm -hmm. from what one person would it hurt most to hear that sentence? Again, we're going back to usually, not always, usually mom and pop shit. And the truth is the amount of people, especially in their fucking 20s. And I was just susceptible. I met the woman that I would marry first. I met her when I was 22. We married when I was 23. Three months later to the day. Three months later after that, to the day we got pregnant. So, and, and the truth is the amount of shit that I feared, the amount, I wasn't even aware of it. But that's what unlocks it. We ended up divorcing six years later. Yeah, big shock, right? We had two great kids. They're, they're wonderful and everything. But the point is simply this. Even you defining what I want, even a a young man defining what he wants is based on him not fully being authentic yet very often, unless you've done the deep dive to look at, to unlock the vault of all the pain, the fears, and the bullshit beliefs you've been taught about yourself to unlock that vault until you unlock that, even stating what you want is based on this sort of half version of yourself that isn't your fully integrated self. So in a way, it's almost an inauthentic answer, but you start asking someone what their fucking fears are. Okay. Now we're fucking drilling down and that's going to be the shit that will cause you to do stupid shit in relationships. And we've all done stupid shit. No one more than me. So there's no judgment here, but it's just the the fact that this is the stuff and people are like, no, I just want to jump in to your point, you know, the kissing and all the uh, chemicals get released in the brain or the fucking or whatever else it may be. Um, but in a way, the, the sex is, in some respects, it's the least of your problems. The, the biggest shit, I mean, yes, that's part of the problem, but the real biggest fucking problem is that you're not having the courage to be your authentic self. And I tell you, battles are won and lost, or marriages are won and lost, relationships are won and lost, not in the big stuff. People will stand up for themselves on the big stuff. It's the everyday stuff. It's the little stuff. You know, there's that old form of torture in Chinese uh, culture from about a thousand years ago, and it was called Ling Shi. And Ling Shi was a form of torture by which they could keep someone alive for about a year or more, sometimes less, with little cuts, little stabs, little bleeds. They'd, they wouldn't bleed you out entirely. They'd just give you these pains every day enough that you were in sheer torture. We know it as death by a thousand cuts. It's the little cuts. It's those little things. And you know why the little things destroy a relationship or what they're indicative of? They're indicative of, I'll stand up for myself on, hey, sweetheart, should we move to Boston or move to San Diego? And I'll stand up. Well, I think we should move. Well, I think we should. But it's always on that medium and small shit that it's easiest to compromise ourselves most. So it comes to a Friday fucking evening and it's like, well, you want to go to a movie or you want to go out to dinner? Well, and I'm thinking, I was kind of hoping to do both. Um, but, and, but I'll say, ah, sweetheart, you go ahead. Cause I'm a guy. And I was socialized in my generation, my family to just make the other person happy. So it's like, well, what do you want to do? And she says, well, let's go to dinner. And I'm there. And then she says, no, let's go to movie. And I'm like, great, let's go to a movie. And I'm thinking, I really want to see that, that period piece, you know, cause I love old English movies, whatever. And she's like, oh, I want to go see the Jason Bourne movie. And I'm like, that sounds great. Let's do it. Even though I really want to see the, but I'll let it go. So one, two, two times already. I've compromised myself and that's necessary, but you can see how that can easily become a pattern by the end of the day, by the end of the week, by the end of the month or two years in, I've fully compromised myself. And so are you making the best of it? Are you compromising to please the other person? Or are you actually standing up for yourselves and speaking your truth in the small things? And that to me, that'll destroy relationships. And that'll destroy you in fucking dating. Why? Because you'll compromise yourself on all the small things because, gee, I have somebody that likes me or whatever it might be. 
so my workaround on this, right? Because, uh, you know, like the, the fear is pervasive when it comes to dating. I'm afraid that I will be rejected. I'm afraid that I'm not going to have an opportunity to get into a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so we do the kiss to see where it goes. We kiss on the first, second, third, fourth date, because we're afraid somebody's going to walk away if we don't get that intimacy in fast enough. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to get um, validation through sexuality because Mm -hmm. We are divided into three parts, the biological creature designed to procreate the logical mind, the spiritual connections, you know, spend when you think about a friend and then a minute later, you get a text message or a phone call. I was just thinking about you, right? That's your frequency connecting. And, and so it's easy to be validated based on the biological body because the procreation drive is strong. We are designed Mm -hmm. to procreate and that's our Mm -hmm. drives and instincts. And, and so we give in to that fear. I'm afraid if I don't kiss him soon enough, he's going to move on to someone else. And I teach And then him. what? And then what? Then what happens when, A, him turning his back and walking away? I don't know if you, I took my daughter to a dolphin trainer when in SeaWorld when she was about, I don't know, 10. And she was down in the pool with the trainer. And at the end of the day, and she had a great time. At the end of the day, she comes and she's telling us all about it. And she says, Papa, do you know how they train dolphins when they've done something bad or when they've misperformed a trick? I said, do they swat them across the nose or what? She says, no, they don't hurt them. They don't touch them. All the trainer does who is in the pool is the trainer turns his back on the dolphin. The dolphins are sensitive creatures that it's heart crushing to a dolphin to have him turn the back. And so, yes, to your point, and, and I want you to finish your thought, forgive me for interrupting, but this notion of a, yes, it's the actual rejection of someone turning their back on the walk away. But then what happens? And that's the greater fear. More often than not, then I'm alone. But it's that aloneness. Not. Well, you think you are. I mean, it's that fear of being alone. Yes. The fear of being alone. Right. And that's, that's why they succumb to the kiss to see where it goes, which is not the woman's idea by far, not the woman's idea. It's the male idea. You have a 24 seven fertility cycle. You're eager to get that kiss in. And we succumb to it. That's not our timing. It's the male timing. I talk to women. I say, you know, no kissing for three months. They go, nobody would wait three months for first kiss. That's not what a woman would tell another woman, but that's the, that's the impression women get in the dating world. And so I, you know, if we don't want to go into a relationship with the fear um, that we're not accepted, if we don't, if, if we want to go into a relationship being ourselves and being accepted for who we are using that no kissing for three months dating rule means I'm not afraid if you walk away, if you walk away, I'm going to let right. you go because I want the person who looks at me, right. listen, I, I, I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to take that time. And at the end of the day, I want the person who said, I did get to know you and compared to you, nobody else compares. You're the one I want. I want the man who picked me, not because we kissed on a fourth date and which, by the way, I, I was live last night and there was a guy in university in Boston and he, he's, he's two weeks in a, in a relationship with a girl, but he's not committed to her yet, but mm-hmm. she's committed to him. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. We, you know, even though we're kissing and having sex with you doesn't mean you're on the same level in terms of commitment as we are. And so there's a lot of, you know, difference in terms of biology that are affecting our, our mentality even. And so I like to teach people to get past the fear of losing somebody 
-hmm. in order to get into the reality of finding the person who actually appreciates who their personality is. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're going to learn over three months. You are going to be yourself, not initially, because again, best behavior syndrome, you know, we're not quite ourselves initially. You're the best version of yourself. I'm like, listen, I'm not PMSing. You know what I mean? You're not seeing the hangry side of me right away. That shows up over time. And love is acceptance. And I want to get into a relationship with somebody who sees me on a bad day, who sees what I'm like when things don't go my way, and who says, I can deal with this. I can accept this. Mm -hmm. And so what do you see as the biggest obstacle to, let's say, a young woman um, taking her time? And, and simultaneously having the courage to reveal her true self. I think, I think honestly, the biggest obstacle is societal rules, like the cultural rules, because a lot of women say, like, I, I say, look, no kissing, no sex, no sleepovers, no exclusivity. You mm-hmm. talk to people until somebody rises above the crowd with their. And, and what is the societal rule saying? The societal rule says we can only talk to one person at a time. And so what's the fear uh, operating. Why is the individual female choosing to submit to societal rules? What yeah. happens if she doesn't? She feels guilty. Okay. So we're talking about a feeling that she is avoiding. She's terrified of feeling guilty or terrified of being judged, yes. terrified of experiencing some feeling inside of her that causes her to engage in a behavior that she doesn't want to engage in. So the real problem, be it male or female, the real problem are the feelings inside of me that I'm terrified of feeling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And something that I say is never let your emotions dictate your behaviors. You have to rise above your biological body, which creates those emotions into your logical mind and say, what is the decision that's best for me? The best decision for me is to talk to people until somebody shows me their consistency and character. Uh, so let's 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 uh, play with that one a little bit if we could, yeah. because all of my work is spent trying to get people out of their heads. Because right. the worst mistakes in life are made when we're operating from our head. That oh, this person checks all the boxes and it's logical and so on and so forth. So help me understand for uh, all your experience and all the people that you've coached over the years. Um, where do then in that equation, where do feelings fit in? Or I, when do when does a person have permission to act from their feelings in that sort of uh, belief system? So when it comes to emotions, we we need to assess how we're using them to to create our decisions. Mm-hmm. Fear, for instance, um, you know, you showed up for that first job interview. Was it scary? Yeah. You showed up for your first day at work at your new job. Was it scary? Yes. You're in an abusive relationship and you're afraid of what it looks like to be outside of it, but you're staying in that place. And so we, we tend to use our emotions sometimes to freeze us in places or, or have us making decisions that are detrimental to ourselves. I'm afraid if I don't kiss a stranger, I won't get into a relationship. I'm afraid if I don't leave an abusive relationship, you know, I, I'll never find somebody like that again. Like I, I won't, I won't be able to make it. Like it's, it's hard. They use the word hard. It's so hard to leave, but it was hard to show up for other things that you did. It was hard to, to feel that fear, but you did it anyways. And so 
you know, like I like to get them into logic. I say the way you get like logically, you said, I need to show up for that interview to get that job, to get the money, to pay my bills. You, you used your logic to show up on your first day of work instead of using your fears to hold you back. So I'm the, the reverse of you. I like to get them to rise out of their fears and into their logic and say, what is the decision that's best for me? Well, sure. And, and I agree with that. Uh, but why are you picking in the end? Why are you picking the gym over Steve? You're picking Jim or Steve, even if you can wait the three months and express your feelings or and show your real self and so on and so forth. You're choosing Jim over the Steve for the same reason when you come to buy a house, you're choosing that blue house over that greenhouse. That yes, it's got that even if they all things are equal, mm. I don't know. I just feel something for that blue one. I don't know. I'm choosing Jim over Steve, you know, that after everything is weighed and so forth, this one feels better than that one. See, for me, yes, the fears, you don't want to be making decisions based on fear. And, and I mean, of course, but in the end, which, what gives you energy? Are you operating out of fear? And in a way I would, I would, let me ask you this question. So if you're recommending, and I'm not saying I fully disagree with you, I'm simply trying to understand um, by encouraging your people that, uh, listen to you and follow you and wisely. So, uh, to move up and, and use the logic and assess the situation and slow the fuck down. Yeah. Um, by doing that, you're saying that ultimately that's where your best decisions are going to be made from. That's where the best dating decisions are going to be made from. Am I hearing you correctly on that? So when people say, how do I know they're right for me? Mm-hmm. I say he's got the 12 character traits because in, in my teachings, there are 12 character traits that help you define a selfish short-term thinker versus a generous long-term thinker and selfish short-term thinking guy or girl, this is play mode here today, gone tomorrow. Just want to hook up, have fun. Generous long-term thinking is I want to take care of you for a long time. That's relationship mode. So they need to be a 12 out of 12. So do you, by the way, everything goes both ways. They need to practice the three P's, protect, profess, provide. They need to be hardworking and loyal, and they need to make you laugh more than anybody else. It's not devoid of the emotion. It's not logic over emotion. It has to be all of it. But we get so wrapped up as I think, especially as women, and also because we're not educated well enough about what even to look for in a partner in terms of the personality traits in order to build a life together, like responsibility and work ethic and devotion. And so we're really not educated on what to look for. And I think that's why we are so trapped in the emotions. If we do the work of getting out my pain, if we do the work of getting out my fears that I have picked up and were pressed into the wet cement of my soul growing up. The messages I got about life, the messages I got about uh, being a man, being a woman, but the messages I got about myself. Do I matter? Am I good? Am I wanted? Those sorts of messages. If we actually do that work in advance, then the goal that I tell my clients, the goal in all of my work is simply one thing. And that is to get out all of that stuff so that I can feel my own voice or intuition, whatever you want to call it, that you feel. And the thing that causes us to detach from that is all the bullshit messages we've been getting all the way along. And that in the end, and not always, very often the greatest love are the ones that don't meet what we thought all of our expectations were, that don't meet. I put on my dating profile, 
uh, eight years ago. I was on OKCupid and I was in the San Francisco Bay area. I had my business out there and you know, a lot of great women out there, of course, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'll just expand my territory. I've lived all over the country. I hadn't lived in New York city yet. That was really the last major city, but with my work, I can pick up my work. I can live anywhere. And uh, so I put in my dating profile, so much fucking information. I would literally get the occasional woman to reach out and say, listen, I, I don't want to date you, but that is the longest fucking profile I've ever read in my entire life. And it's just like, holy Christ, I don't want to read all this, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but I looked at it this way when I, and I'm, I'm coming around to the point of what we were talking about. Uh, but I looked at it this way. It's like, I don't want a lot of people believe well, I'll put some in and then I'll get to know them. For me personally, I'm just the opposite. I don't want to sit across from the table with someone unless I know they're not just a lead, but a qualified lead. I want to know they're at least not just in the ballpark, but they're in the infield. So I'm just going to put out everything to the point of in a woman's pictures, I can see her breast size. I can see her body size, but she can't see the size or lack of size of my private parts. So I put that right in there because oh. I, oh, absolutely. I, <laughs> I was in a couple of relationships in my life where the woman liked a very large penis. And I'd just rather be out and say, I'm medium, nothing big, nothing to see here. It's just medium. If you need a large penis, I'm not the guy. Please spare my masculinity. Uh, <laughs> play, you know, I don't need to be uh, harmed again or whatever. So I just put it out there. But one of the things, here's the thing. I also put in the profile, I don't date vegans as a rule because they're back then they're so fucking self-righteous. I don't date vegetarians and don't even bother responding or anything. If you are in the fashion industry, I've lived in LA and dated, you know, these types of people, blah, blah, blah. And no fashion industry people, no vegetarians, no fucking vegans. So, you know, as the guys do going through looking at pictures, blah, blah, blah. I saw a pretty woman there. And the first thing I always looked at was the face. Mm. So I got to be able to fucking look at her. Right. And then I want to see how she describes her body. Second thing. And the third thing, actually, usually the second thing, most important thing is what does she do for a living? That's the second most important thing for me. And I saw this woman very pretty and because that indicates who she is, what her values are. Um, and, uh, and I responded to her and I, and I just sent one email and she says to this day, it was that email spent. You got me with that email. And people say, well, what was the email? And it was just, and, and this was, so out of character for me, but I just wrote, wow, pretty girl. And, uh, and she was older than me and so forth. And we've been together for the last eight years. Uh, but my point is she is a crustatarian, almost a vegan, but she does eat shrimp um, and occasionally scallops. And she has owned a company in New York city in Manhattan uh, for the last 25 years. And uh, she built it herself uh, at its peak. It was an $80 million company with 2,500 employees globally. And in the fashion industry, my points, yeah. my point, and, 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 well, a few other things, but the point is I thought I wanted X and I got Y minus Z divided by J. Yeah. And, and so, but if I had stuck to my original stuff, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here. What I use and it's always weeding out my fears and asking myself the question, does this path give me energy? Or does this path bleed me, bore me, numb me? Do I have to conjure up energy to go do it? Or is, does it inspire me? Does it excite me? Not just the momentary excitement, but as I take into account the totality of who this person is, does it breathe life into me? And, and it's, so for me, it's more about, it's not even about feelings and thoughts. It's about energy. It's about mm-hmm. learning to read your own energy. And so if you're taking account, if you're seeing the red flags and the signs, and then and taking those in as equal information 
to all the good things and taking it all in and allowing yourself to journal on it and meditate on it. And then asking yourself the question, does this relationship give me energy? Because if it doesn't, why the fuck are you in it? But to your point earlier, where you're in a relationship and you feel it taking your energy, you feel it tipping from the pro to the con side and then further in the con side and further in the con side until the pain gets so bad, you just can't stay in it anymore. Well, the goal is to read your energy so well that when you feel that sort of, mm, something's not right here, you listen. And the more we distrust our own inner voice and those whispers and have it go haywire and have it turn into a shit show, the more times that happens, the more we back it up and back it up and back it up till eventually we feel that ping come across the sonar, come across the radar and we trust it. Um, so for me, it's, it's much more about teaching my clients um, and the, the immense value in what you're saying. I'm in no way attempting to disparage what you're saying. I think it's fantastic. Um, for me, the goal in the end is always getting my clients to trust, to get all the shit out so that they can hear their own voice, feel it and trust that feel. I am mm-hmm. all for open-mindedness open-mindedness and compromise. And, and I think my female followers will agree that I, I'm, I'm certainly, I don't hold back in, from giving them shit. If mm-hmm. I see that they're not being open-minded and not mm-hmm. showing the right level of compromise, by all means, be open to somebody working, you know, 10 hours a day instead of eight hours a day, my husband, 12 hours a day, even, or 14 hours a day. He wears a blue onesie instead of he wears a suit and tie to work. Um, but there are a certain part, like the, the 12 character traits, they're, they're character traits. Those are the, well, but, but are those 12 character traits, the character traits that are important for Susie or are those the 12 character traits that are important for Jenny? Both. Can and, I read them to you? Yeah, please. Definitely. Okay. Um, because I want you to know what I'm talking about when I say that. So that mm-hmm. like, let me know which one of these you feel, um, we should, we should like compromise on like like pull out of here Mm -hmm. um so the first one is validation in essence do they have ego strokes do they keep other people around not because they're friends but because they desire them sexually and it strokes their ego to have these people as as periphery people who are stroking their ego so i have my partner and i have my ego stroke so validation is one of the things that i say look for somebody who's who has people who validate them based on their character instead of are around because they want them sexually. Okay. That's one. Uh, Jealousy. Don't be with somebody who says, I don't want you to have friends of, you know, the opposite sex or whatever sex you're interested in sexually. I don't trust you to have friends who look like me have the genitalia Mm -hmm. that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one is appearances. I prefer to be admired based on how I look instead of admired for my character, my strengths, who I am on the inside. Uh, That's bad or good. I I would prefer to be with somebody who uh, basically speaks from their character rather than um, is a facade. Oh, okay. I misunderstood. Go ahead. Yes. Of like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Selfishness. Um, are they a what's in it for me kind of person, or um, are they generous with those that they care for? Um, control, do they get upset if they don't get first access to your time and money? In essence, mm-hmm. you, know, they, you are their property. Um, responsibilities, do they take on their responsibilities or do they try to ditch their responsibilities like work mm-hmm. and exes and their children? Um, affection is hard to get their affection or do you have to grovel and buy them things to get their affection? 
mm-hmm. um, effort, you know, like I, I, t- I have these many responsibilities, but I'm willing to take on more responsibility because I know that it advances my life. Mm-hmm. Um, finances, are they financially responsible? Blame, do they take responsibility or, or they, do they blame everybody else for anything that goes wrong in their life? Mm-hmm. Um, paying, are they generous with you? Uh, and happiness, are they, are they intent on your happiness? Do they care about your happiness? Mm-hmm. And those are all great, indisputable. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, my brain goes to how many people in their 20s possess all of those qualities? How many people in their 40s possess all of those qualities? What infinitesimally small percentage of the population in their 20s, male or female, possess all of those things? And then a subsequent question, these are just questions to think about. And, and they're all great. Your point is, is brilliant. You're absolutely right that that would be optimum. But recognizing that the odds of finding someone who checks all 12 boxes, what do you do then? If you don't find that. And so- um, If you don't, but that's, that's just it. Like we are over, like when we, when we do a kiss to see where it goes, Uh the people who contain those 12 qualities are on the sidelines going, why can't I find somebody? I'm offering that. I don't, I don't, I know of very few people in their twenties, let alone their thirties who possess all of those qualities, because I think we are still fucking weighed down by so much shit from our childhood, especially in our twenties and let alone teens for the yeah. teens who I'm sure you have a good following of teens or late teens in college and, and shit like that. And then the thing is, if you haven't fixed that shit, I mean, in your twenties, the notion that you don't get jealous in your twenties, the notion that there's somebody in their twenties who isn't taken in by appearances right. or, or, uh, you know, that somebody in their twenties is fully responsible. Sure. That's a bit more common, but it's also highly uncommon. What if you're still going through fucking graduate school and you've never lived on your own and you're fucking 28 years old. So is that person, you know, what do you do? And, and so I'm asking you literally, what do you do with someone who is, you know, 28 or 32 and doesn't have all this shit, but they have plenty of the other things or they have certain ones that are key for you. What do you do? So nobody said you can't be jealous. Jealous is a natural human emotion. It it has an evolutionary function. Um, So nobody said you can't be jealous. You you will have those emotions. Mm -hmm. What are the behaviors you're choosing to enact? I will feel a jealous reaction when my husband goes to have coffee with an old high school friend. But what do I do with that? Do I go through a thought process and get myself back to, okay. Or do I say, how dare you do that? I should have been with you. You can't go alone without me. Right. So, and, and that's the reason why I wrote those 12 character traits, because these are important. Every single one is important to the health of a relationship. And so when one person, and when at least one person knows what those traits are and knows to model those traits, and says, I will only be in a relationship with somebody who also models those traits. Now we create a chain of education. Great. Can we do a Q&A? Yeah, sure. Marianne, let me ask you, what was the single biggest thing you did right when you were dating? And what was the single biggest thing, in your opinion, you did wrong while you were dating? Okay, so the um, the biggest wrong thing I did when I was dating, I did kiss. I didn't wait the three months. Mm. But... I did wait to have sex mm. for at least three or four months. And for you, because what was the benefit to of me, that? 
to me, it was just a knowing that I already had that I don't want to make love to somebody if I don't love them. And mm. I don't do the F word. Mm. Like I don't there fuck them. I don't yeah. No, I, I knew what that meant. Yeah. It's interesting with my first marriage, uh, when I was 22, I had been engaged before that, but with my first marriage, we so badly wanted to have sex. Mm-hmm. That, I think that was part of it. I, we were very much in love and believed mm-hmm. that our futures lined up and so forth, that we got married in part so that we could have sex. So yeah. there's that problem. <laughs> and, but we did, we did wait the three months that we had sex. It was, I think, on our wedding night. Um, but yeah, I mean, when we're young, we make some successes, we make some failures and uh, sort of learn and grow from it. Sounds like you've done great. It's it's uh, great and not great. I mean, people change. We grow. We learn. And yeah. um, well, some of us do. Right? right. We learn and we grow from stuff. Some of us are stuck. So I'm in the position where somebody is stuck. And um, yeah, um, it's hard. Other than that, you know, it's hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We have another question here from Laura. Laura says, I wanted to, uh, I guess, hear more about the small things we give up and how it affects a relationship. Um, In essence, the difference between uh, men versus women. So uh, what are some small things that men give up to be in a relationship, women give up to be in a relationship, and how does that affect them? I think it's consistent across platforms, across genders, that we give up our voice. We give, and very often, well, as always, it's driven by fear. And very often it's the fear that if I express how I really feel, even if I don't get what I want, there's tremendous value in speaking what I want, speaking what I need and having it heard because there, there no relationship exists. Certainly no healthy relationship exists where I'm getting what I want all the time. I mean, that's ludicrous, right? Part of playing on a team is that there's compromise and that we're going to hurt each other. That's part of it. The, the pain-free relationship doesn't exist. All right. Um, but it's that the little things are always, it's not even the, what are the little things we give up? It's why do we give it up or how do we give up the little things? We give them up because we think my voice doesn't matter or we're afraid of the backlash or we're afraid of some response from the other person. Oh, that doesn't matter. Or no, we're not doing that or that's stupid or whatever. And so what am I going to do? If I'm criticized for expressing my truth, especially on the small stuff, there's no fucking chance I'm going to do that again. That hurts. So I'm going to be very reticent. So then a sort of a lot of shit. And this is a thing with a lot of guys actually many female clients too, but so many guys, especially in my area, my era, and I'm 54, have been socialized to your feelings don't fucking matter. And so you eat it and you eat it and you eat it and you take it and you're trying to make the other person happy and you eat it and you eat it until that shit pile builds up so big. You have a long fucking fuse until that shit pile builds up so big that I can't ignore it anymore. And very often I explode, but the explosion isn't the problem. Yeah, that makes it worse. But the real problem is that I think my voice doesn't matter until I have a big pile of crap that I can be angry about. Then I'm justified in speaking. And mind you, I see the same thing with so many female clients, but it's for a different reason. I need to make him happy. I need to make him happy. Or if it's female, female client, my daughter's a lesbian. So in her partner, in her partnerships, it's, you know, there's still that pre-programmed in much of Western culture, you know, serve, make the other person happy. Well, but very often you're doing it at the expense of your own voice. And the real problem in that is that the underlying message you are sending, not just to your partner, but to yourself, to the universe, 
the underlying message you're sending is I don't matter. My voice doesn't matter. That's a fucking problem. And that didn't start the second you walked into this relationship. You've been conditioned more often than not by your parents, perhaps by an older sibling, by whoever raised you, the most powerful people in your life conditioned you to believe that your voice doesn't matter. And that's highly problematic in relationships. So you're going to, you're going to give up on uh, what you should wear, who you can hang out with, even tiny things. Where am I going to put this vase? I just want to put it here. I think it looks prettiest right here. No, no, no. I mean, some things as ridiculous as that and that shit builds up. So the real problem is that I ask people, it's, it's not even what you're compromising. My question, I always, I believe in percentages because it forces people to be more pinpoint accurate. And I just tell them, you can change your mind tomorrow, but what percentage of the time are you not speaking your truth? Mm. And if they say something like, and I'll say, is it 2%? Is it 87.3%? Well, you know, what is it? And very often, if someone's even in conversation with me, because of what I do, they're saying like 40%, mm. 60%. It's like, okay, we have a fucking problem here. We have a real fucking problem where you're not even speaking your truth. Again, you may not always get your way, but where you're not even speaking the truth. So therefore, I'm in a relationship where I'm creating the problems myself. I have a responsibility to the relationship, to the other person, as a man or as a woman. And I'll bust balls on guys any day of the week. And they know I do. It's like, don't tell me you're doing everything for the woman you love. Don't tell me. I mean, I, yes, you're serving her. Yes, you're encouraging her. Yes, you're there for her uh, kids, your stepkids. Yes, you're doing all these things. So, man, I do everything for this woman. And she still, you know, doesn't, that, I say, no, you're not doing everything. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're not doing everything because you're not speaking the truth in each moment. Having the courage to just put it out there, not angrily or not, oh, you need to listen to me or, oh, just saying in this, this is what feels right to me. Mm-hmm. And again, you may not always get your way, but having the courage to put it out there, which means, and I see it just as common with guys that they'll tolerate a shit relationship and they'll tolerate shit in a relationship because they've been conditioned that their voice doesn't fucking matter. Just get along, you know, just get along, eat your shit, you know, and, uh, and that doesn't work. So really the question I would have in, in my followers, my listeners on TikTok and Instagram and all that shit, um, they hear me say it all the time. You know, to what degree are you creating the very problems you're decrying? I mean, in, in physics, we call it the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. If we sort of put it in layman's terms, I must constantly remind myself I'm part of the problem I'm trying to solve. And so, and, and very often the problems I'm creating are driven by my own fears, which is why identifying the fears is so fucking critical. Yeah. Another reason why I love the no kissing for three months dating rule, because your mouths aren't occupied which Mm -hmm. means you're having a lot of conversations. You're really getting to know each other on a very in-depth level, giving Mm -hmm. him plenty of opportunity to express who he is, what he wants, and also both of them to talk about what they want out of a relationship before Mm -hmm. they even start one. Do you have time? Uh, Let me ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Uh, And and I'm not opposed to the three-month dating. I've I've followed you a little bit, and I've heard you say that before, and uh, I've I actually can see some good, you know, good thinking in that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and what about though, where the anticipation or the wanting, because whether or not you're even kissing the person, you're still feeling it down there. Right. And you're still, and that's building anticipation and all that stuff. And that's great. God bless you. And the pitter patter in your heart, as my father used to call it, 
Um, to what degree does that have the power to cloud your vision? Uh, so you are a, like, like mother nature designed us to procreate. And so when you see somebody and there's that zing that happens, but it's not based on knowledge and insight because you don't actually know who the person is. Mm -hmm. um, that's a heightening of a chemical reaction because every emotion we have is a chemical, right? Mm -hmm. And so mother nature has, has given us that zing in order to bring us face to face in order to help the procreation happen. Got it. Uh, what is the physical step that leads to procreation? It's kissing. We don't go from mm -hmm. holding hands to sex. We go mm -hmm. holding hands, kissing sex. Mm -hmm. And so kissing also creates a chemical. And mm -hmm. that chemical takes that enhancement and we go from snorting cocaine to taking heroin. Mm -hmm. And so it takes us out of our mind. And as a woman, when we kiss, we commit because heroin. And so we commit to a stranger, someone we don't know. So I kiss you today, but we just had our first second or, you know, our first or second date. I kiss you. And then somebody else says, can I take you out and get to know you? We say, no, I'm seeing somebody. So we exclude others who might have been better for us mm -hmm. and so it we miss the red flags we 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 do a dumb move which is committing to someone we don't know when we kiss too soon because right. they kiss yeah but that doesn't answer my question oh. my question is if even if i don't kiss yeah i'm feeling yeah. excitement and not just the sexual excitement oh he's checking these boxes oh oh and the pistons are firing in my fucking brain and there's the lust for the person I mean, if you find them attractive enough to come together, then you're probably sitting across the table from them saying, I would love to fuck the living shit out of her or her saying, oh, my God, his his arms. And oh, when he went to the bathroom, that ass. Oh, my God, what I would do with that ass. Right, right, right. And yeah. so how, how doesn't the anticipation itself, yeah. the longing itself, when you then go home after your third date and you go home and you're masturbate because you didn't have sex together, how does the longing itself you haven't kissed yet. You haven't fucked yet. How does the longing itself have the power? Doesn't it also have the power to cloud your fucking vision? Not as much as the act of kissing. Because that's for the men, heroin. For men, that's the heroin. Much, right? I, the biological body is different. Your testosterone, I'm estrogen. And mm -hmm. so our chemical reactions are not the same. And so like the guy that I had on my live yesterday, who's a mm -hmm. student in Boston, a mm -hmm. university student in Boston, who said, I'm, I've been dating a girl for two weeks. She's committed, but I'm not committed. And so the kissing does and not. So what's, the, what's the point? I, I'm not seeing the point of saying one is committed and the other is not committed. One person is just not ready yet to commit. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, okay. but she is. And that's. Uh, that's that's a, a very big frequent thing that we see and that should be a giant fucking red flag if she's ready to commit that soon right and but it's the chemical it's 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 our brain so it's not just it's not wait they have kissed or they haven't kissed they've kissed and they're having sex and she's all in and he's mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. and it's because uh, when women are in mate seeking mode, like if I just want to hook up, I'm going to hook up, I'll, I'll kiss you, have sex with you, go home. That's it. You're done for me. Um, mm -hmm. but when I'm in mate seeking mode, if I'm telling myself I want a relationship and then I kiss somebody, then something clicks in my brain and says, I found the one and we go and like, we go tell our friends, he's so amazing. I found the one and we create a story because of that chemical reaction. But, you but see, I, I don't fully buy that. I think it's very, very easy, just as easy. Um, because I mean, you said, you said it's like, 
you know, once you kiss and so forth, all the things that are firing in the brain, it's like going from cocaine to heroin. Yeah. Okay. Right. For us. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is even before the kiss, you're on cocaine. Yeah. 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 And cocaine is an extraordinarily powerful drug. And so what I'm saying. Cocaine and drive. What's that? I can do cocaine and drive. And that's fantastic. And I I actually. I'm flat on my back. The point, the point is, uh, the point is that the um, presence of other characteristics, whether, in addition to the sexual attraction, the presence of other characteristics, such as what if the person right out of that, you know, in the first couple of months, checks nine of those fucking boxes right. and checks them in spades. That can be an enormously powerful experience. You want to know why? Because the person saying, oh my God, he doesn't need the validation. He's not terribly jealous. Yeah. He's good looking, but he's not selfish. He's so loving and giving. He's affectionate. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my my fucking God. I got to choose this one. Right. So in other words, my point is the sense of exhilaration can be triggered by things other than sex that have just as great a capacity to cloud our vision Mm -hmm. as the sex, as the kissing. Yeah. And so I guess I'm uh, wondering if the no kissing rule, it doesn't uh, eliminate a lot of the problems. Furthermore, I believe that people can sustain a facade for three months. Sure. Some. Oh, for sure. I mean, think about it. You know, and, and, but that even goes to, but even if you are, let's say you make it to two months and things start to show. What does that female or male have to have inside of them to walk away from a relationship that they're now two months invested in? Uh, It's not a relationship. We're just getting to know each other. Sure. In a dating situation where you've got two months of seeing someone regular and you're feeling strong feelings towards that person. Yeah. What does it take to walk away from it? Especially when your friends are saying, oh my God, he's wonderful. So we're, we're two months in and I introduce you to my kids and you don't get along with my kids. I'm sorry, but I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bringing you into my family when you can't get along with my children. Well, and, and that's an easy one. I mean, if we're going to say, you know, my kids, obviously the, the kids in 99 times out of a hundred sure as fuck should trump any I, fucking I person. Again. Two months you're lying about being financially responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and so. Right. And, and that's what I'm saying. If something comes up two months in or two and a half months in, what does each in, what does the individual who feels, who sees that, what kind of sort of strength do they have to have to walk away? It's easy. When there's so many, it's go ahead. so much easier to walk away if you haven't kissed because then it's, oh, I'm not disputing that. Oh, I'm not disputing that. I'm not disputing that, but isn't the real question, what is it? there's no disputing, of course, that it's easier to walk away if you haven't kissed, if you haven't had been felt up yet or, you know, whatever. There's no question about that, but the problem still exists that it's hard to walk away. Why is it hard to walk away? It's Why hard- is it hard to walk away even if we haven't kissed? It's, it's harder if we have, because what we told ourselves is we're in yeah, a relationship. We know that. We know that. We know that. If, if we have kissed, but I'm saying, why yeah. is it hard for me to walk away even if we haven't kissed? See, well, that's the question as a male, for you, as, for you as a male. And, and we do need to acknowledge no, I mean, that we're talking to males and females. Yeah. We're talking to all males and females. Why is it hard for me as an individual, male or female, to walk away 
Why is it hard after two and a half months, even if we haven't kissed or had sex? Why is that so fucking hard? It's, I mean, because we grow invested in a person, even if we're not having sex, we grow invested and we can say, oh, I'm, we're not in a relationship, whatever, but you are. You're, you're stepping further into something. The more time you invest in anything, the more energy you invest in anything, you have a relationship with it. I have an ugly relationship with asphalt and going running and pavement, all right, and running. And I hate it, but I do it. And I have a relationship. It, it's, it's part of who I am or uh, anything that you invest more of yourself in. You are investing more of yourself in, and thereby it becomes more difficult to extract yourself. I'm not disputing that kissing makes it worse. Indisputable. Makes it harder to pull out. What I'm getting at is what I'm interested in is helping people ask themselves, why? Why is it so hard for you to get out, even if you're not kissing? What's the fear driving the behavior? And for each person, it's going to be fucking different. Because if you can't answer that question about two, two and a half months, then you can't a- answer it at two and a half years when shit comes up that you never could have seen in those first three fucking months. Or when shit comes up, uh, you know, the night after your fucking wedding, I literally had a client uh, a couple weeks ago who said the day after our wedding, he changed right. the day. What do you do then? Annulment. Well, of course, of course. But the point is, it's easy for me to say, because yes. that's not me. When you've just gone through all this and what do you do when they turn out to be completely different? And of course, my response to this person was, wait a minute, they turned out to be different on the day after your marriage. So they just, they got hit by lightning and now they're different. No, you had, there'd been fucking signs all the way along, but something happened the day or the week afterwards. But here's the problem. Daddy and mommy just spent $60,000 on that fucking wedding. Yeah. And you just moved to Santa Fe and blah, blah, blah. You don't think there's enormous external pressure on that person. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, run, run, you know, when you know, when you have that sense of knowing it's not right. But it's easy for me to say as an outsider when you're fucking in it. And that's why it's so critical prior to investing in a relationship to identify what the things are, who the people are, what the voices are that I'm afraid of, because that's what's going to keep you hamstrung because you're afraid of some eventuality happening. Yes. And so, yeah. So anyway, I think we, at yeah. least on a couple of things, we may be saying the same thing, but go ahead. Yeah. And not give in to external pressures, not give in to external pressures. Which is easier, easier said than done. And the only way to, and I can willpower my way through that, but those external pressures, especially in your twenties and thirties, those external pressures, they're not just external pressures. They are hardwired inside of you. Um, who's the fucking poet that said, um, no man is truly free until he can live as though his father is dead. Yeah. And that doesn't mean his father has to be dead. And it does, it's not a gender thing. It's mother's father's sister, you know, girls. Uh, the point is that parent resides inside of you. Whoever the primary power sources were in your life, their values, their expectation, their voice, their fears, their pressures, their criticisms reside inside of you. That's what's driving your fucking decisions in those first three months, those th- first three years. Christ, I get people in their fucking 40s, 50s still in relationships because of the voice of mom inside of me, because of the voice of dad inside of me. That's why that extraction has to come because you're not even operating from from a full sense of self. And so to say, well, just to avoid the external pressures, it's a nice thought, but it's ludicrous because it's not external. It's inside of you. And that's why you have to root out those voices. Mm -hmm. And here's me and you training people to use critical thinking 
and make mm. the best decision for themselves, regardless of what other people around them are saying. Yes. Uh, do you want to do a question? I have a question here for Samar. Hi, thank you so much. It's so okay. I joined a little late, so I apologize. Um, well, first of all, I just wanted to say I think uh, what Sven was mentioning about um, what happens if you're not kissing and you still have those feelings build up. And I've been a fan of Chantal's for almost a year now, and she says that's why, especially for women and young men, like young people, to when they're dating make sure you're dating multiple people at once so that you, even though you may start to see all the boxes being checked for one person, that you're still not limiting yourself, boxing yourself in with one person and kind of getting sucked into their quicksand too early. Because let's say I'm dating five other people at the same time and getting to know them all equally. Um, so I think that is a big proponent of Good not point. getting someone you know, deeply sucked in too soon. Um, and the other thing is my boyfriend and I have been together for uh, three and a half years and Chantelle has helped us sort of um, reinvigorate our relationship in the last Fantastic. eight months. And we're talking about moving in together in the next two months. Oh. And so I just wanted to know, uh, and we're in our early forties, um, we just, I just wanted to know uh, what you guys think is good advice for, um, us moving in together um, and to, to help us have a peaceful transition and, you know, uh, the best, smoothest uh, moving in uh, process and everything. So um, I always say, uh, make sure you write down all the expenses, no matter how small and all the household chores, no matter how small and put a name beside each one so that you don't have that fight once you move in. Oh, I thought you were going to do that. That's good. I like right. that. Um, and, uh, my answer is, uh, first of all, congratulations on the uh, blossoming relationship and, uh, on con serious consideration of the next step. That's fantastic. Very exciting. Very exciting. Thank you. Uh, my response is, or is a question, what's your biggest fear in this move in tomorrow? What is it you yourself setting your, your mate aside? What is your biggest fear? If you're to be totally honest and you never have to tell him, there's no expectation of action. I'm just curious what it is. Honestly, it's financial. Um, both of us are starting new businesses. Mm -hmm. They're relatively new, like less than a year old. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my fear is that, um, and it's not really, you know, it's, it's more so like to do with stability because I've had so much instability in my life mm -hmm. and to just think like, Oh, this is the step that we're going to move in. And then like talk about getting married in the next year or two and all that. And then if something sort of shakes that stability, um, and what would be most likely to, what would be most likely to shake that stability as you see it tomorrow? I, I, it could be financial. Like if one of us, um, our businesses don't do well, or okay. if your business doesn't do well, Will he still love you and stay with you? Of course, yeah. Will you guys fight it out together? I mean, not fight each other, but sort of, you sort your way through and find a way through. Do you believe that this person will stand by you even if your business goes fucking into the shitter? Will he stand yeah. next to you? Yes. That's a beautiful fucking thing. Now, let me yeah. ask you this question. If his business goes into the shitter, will you be there to say, hey, I still love you, sweetheart. We're in it. We'll do just fine. Yes, absolutely. There you go. There you go. Because the truth is, 
starting businesses, there's a good chance it may fail. Businesses fucking right. fail all the time. And you know right. that. You know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But the question is, what's the effect of that going to be on the relation? Is there going to be an effect? How much room for uh, acceptance and love? Am I still accepted even if he sees that I fucked up or that I couldn't pull it off or just the markets, you know, or whatever? And, right. and can I provide that as well for him? Uh, I think that's I think that's fantastic. And so let me ask you this. What's the your biggest fear if you guys don't move in together? If we don't move in together, yeah, that because you said just... we're considering moving in together, which says oh. the decision's not finalized. What is your biggest fear if you guys don't move in together? And furthermore, um, is the moving in together, is it an encapsulation, a uh, uh, consolidation of your finances so that you're more financially stable? No, or- it's happening. Yeah, we're, um, we, we, got, we have a place we're moving in on April 1st. But if something came up that we didn't decide to not move in together at this time, then it would just mean that possibly our relationship is not doing well or something that we oh, would oh, say, oh. oh, let's pause moving in together. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I missed something there. If something falls apart with regard to you guys being able to move in on April 1st. In other words, if you don't get the lease you want or something like that. No, no. I meant the only way that we would not move in together would be if our relationship broke up. Gotcha. But otherwise, every other thing in this world, in our world, is pointing towards uh, moving together and joining our finances and uh, starting that life that we're t- we've been talking about for a long time. Fantastic. That's exciting. And one last question, if I may. Sure. Um, what is the, in your estimation, and perhaps your mate would have a different answer, what is the single biggest thing for you that is most likely to break up your relationship? Not, to, not what's the one you fear most, because maybe that would be cheating or, you know, he's having sex with a goat or something like that. My question is, what is the one fear that, it, uh, one possibility that is most likely to break up your relationship because you brought up the possibility that could there is the outside possibility our relationship could end and that would be the only reason we wouldn't get into the lease so i'm saying you brought up the notion that there's a possibility yeah. even if it's a remote possibility what is the one thing that is most likely to break i up mean I, honestly i i was fearful of him getting his shit together in the last of him not getting his shit together right of not getting his shit together yeah um and that's where Chantal like became my superhero and saved our life (laughs) you know so uh I honestly feel like because we worked with her and he in in me working with her directly indirectly positively affected our relationship and him um that is like the the like super duper never ever breaking insurance <laughs> for our relationship. <laughs> and so, so it sounds like any, any likelihood or any potential for you two breaking up certainly anytime soon has been radically reduced as a result of your work with Sean. Yeah. Talk, I, I don't fantastic. worry about that at all. Yeah. That's fantastic. And Thank she you doesn't so even, much. and she doesn't even wear a cape. She's a super <laughs> girl. She, she doesn't need it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Love you, Chantal. <laughs> I love you back, my love. Sven, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have been absolutely amazing and super generous with your time. Uh, we all appreciate you for sure. I appreciate your presence on TikTok because people need you absolutely 100%. They need what you are delivering. They need what you are saying. 
they need the no pussyfooting. Like there's just too much pussyfooting in mental health. I, what I love about TikTok is that it, is, it really is getting a lot of voices out there. Mm. And I see that TikTok is an incredible educational platform for me more than anything. Um, I Thank love you. I, one of the things I appreciate about you, let me just interrupt you there. Sorry, I've been doing it a lot, but fuck it. Um, and that is that what I appreciate about you that you clearly have a gift for far more than me. Um, I'm, I sort of weighed into the macro. What are the macro questions, the whys, the wherefores, and you've got such detail and um, really uh, getting it down to granular. It's obvious with all of your work and with your clients and just hearing Samar talk and, and Marianne talk about uh, her things and so forth. It's, it's, it's remarkable. And that's critically important, um, especially at those young ages when it's just so easy to get swept up in the emotion of it and so forth. So I got to say, mad respect. I appreciate you. That's an unintended consequences of this conversation. It's true. It's true. I love men, by the way. <laughs> I love, I love men. You, you I sort love. of have that sort of whorish vibe. I'm teasing. Don't hit no! me. I'm just kidding. Hey, I'm kidding. Don't deny the experience, my friend. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, ask, ask, ask me my body count. The answer is, I don't know why. So, <laughs> Uh, but I do, I love, listen, uh, men. So again, selfish short-term thinkers, guys, fun to play with right here today, mm -hmm. tomorrow, men, generous long-term thinkers. And I'm, I'm in woman mode. So I'm very focused on seeing men for who they are. Mm -hmm. And I love men. Men are an incredible species, the generosity, the mindset, their abilities or capabilities. Sven, you know this, the sacrifice, the sacrifice men make is beautiful and to be admired. And I want to teach women to see the men and appreciate the men. I think that's fantastic. And if I could add one tiny little piece, uh, food for thought, and that is uh, your average heterosexual male, if he asks the first girl out, let's say when he's 12, and for, and I'll speak for myself. And I think a lot of guys, I certainly don't speak for all for every yes, you get, you're going to get eight or 12 no's girls who aren't interested or no, or they're shy, or maybe they don't know anything about dating. So they're, it's out of their own fear. They're interested, but there's still all of those no's accumulate and you reach a point where you stop trying. <laughs> you reach a point where you like a girl and it's like, what's the fucking point? I'm just going to get a fucking no. Yeah. Where and so um, I could go into a client, but I won't. The point is, open the door. Oh yes, just open the door. Just a fucking smile, kid around. Because guys oh. are as much as women hate waiting for a guy to ask them out. Men hate being rejected, getting the fucking nose. So there's got to be some way where the guy gets the open door or a smile, even. And, and then, and then has to, of course, has to have the balls to do the work, but it's just like, when you get that many rejections, it's easy for a woman to say, oh, why doesn't he grow a parent ask me out? It's like, fuck you, you get fucking eight rejections for everyone. Then you tell me how fucking tough you are, asshole, you know, and I'm saying that kiddingly, but the point is 
we need to be sort of moving, uh, you know, sort of together. And, and, and women are just fantastic. And your love for men, I hear it. And my uh, immense love for women. I'm jealous. I wish I could be a woman. I think my life would be so much less stressful, so much easier. Um, but uh, women are fantastic. And, and Chantel, I want to say, I, I mean it very sincerely when I say I admire what you do. It's, it's necessary. It's good. I really admire what you do. Uh, my heart is warming. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I'm absorbing it. I appreciate it. I, and back at you, my friend, back you. at you. Very gracious. And, Very and for the men, for the men, my part of my service is getting women to go up and start that conversation and let them know the door is open. I'm interested. You are welcome to walk through. Go ahead. Love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Okay. We're going to do this again. We're going to talk about men. I love this. We'll look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So much. And by the way, where can people find you, please? Uh, badasscounseling.com. All of my books are there, especially my latest one that has now become a bestseller on Amazon. It was just last week. It was ranked 27th out of their 30 million books or whatever the number is, 27th in self-help. Yes. And uh, so it keeps taking off, doing well, but that's there's a hole in my love cup. Uh, all of my books are there. All of my courses are there. Uh, do-it-yourself video courses, but fuck the money. Go for the free shit. The free shit is on TikTok at Badass Counseling or Instagram Badass Counseling. And uh, hopefully I'll kick your ass uh, to all of you. Anybody who might come over to Badass Counseling, my goal is to kick your ass, challenge you, give you the hard fucking questions, take you through the ringer. And that's where the growth is. So, but most importantly, follow this woman. She knows what she's doing. Ah, uh, they already do. Follow Sven. He knows what he's doing too. Uh, thank you, Sven. I will talk to you again soon, my love. Peace. Take care, my friend. Bye. Bye.